the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good evening and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. If you've been searching for a place to be spiritually fed, you've found it. Like you, we believe the Holy Bible contains the spiritual nourishment we need to become faithful servants to God and help grow His kingdom here on earth. This program is part of an outreach ministry from Shepherd Church. Our pastor is Dudley Rutherford, and we join him right now with his message for us tonight. Today, we start a new series called 2020, Seeing Jesus Clearly. Seeing Jesus Clearly. And uh, we're looking at five different traits of Jesus. I want you to see Jesus clearly. Some of these you might like, some of these you might not like. But I believe that when we're done with this series, you're going to have a good handle on who Jesus Christ truly is in our life. So our first sermon, if you have your sermon notes, the title, this is point number, this is sermon number one, I should say. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but Jesus is unorthodox. He's unorthodox. And I want you to say that word. Everyone in the house, everyone watching, say the word unorthodox. Jesus is unorthodox. Now, if you have your sermon notes, I want to give you the definition for unorthodox because that's, that's who Jesus Christ is. The word unorthodox means someone who is contrary to what is usual, traditional, or accepted. Jesus was not your normal king. Jesus was not your normal rabbi. Jesus was not your normal ruler. When the Jews... Uh, we're looking for a Messiah, and Jesus arrived onto the scene, the Jewish people were awaiting a Savior who would help them overthrow the Roman occupation in their land. Typically, a king, a ruling king of a kingdom, would come with brute force, with a large and powerful army, and well-trained soldiers. Well, Jesus arrived being born of peasant parents, He had no army. He had no soldiers of any kind, but was still intent on changing the entire world as it existed. He showed up as the son of a carpenter, nowhere to lay his head. He had no home, no mode of transportation, except maybe a donkey that he would borrow from time to time. He was meek. He was humble. He did probably own a pair of sandals, but that was about it. Now, any world leader that you can think of, any president or king that has ever ruled, Jesus was contrary to to that traditional or usual world leader. I want to read to you a poem. It's called One Solitary Life. Many of you have heard of it. It was originally written in 1926, which was almost 100 years ago, by Dr. James Francis. I just want to read it to you. Jesus was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. 
He grew up in another village. He worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. And then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never owned a home. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a family. He never went to college. He never put his foot inside a big city. He never traveled 200 miles from the place where he was born. He never did any of the things that usually accompany greatness. He had no credentials but himself. While still a young man, the tide of popular opinion turned against him. His friends all ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies. He went through mockery of a trial. He was nailed upon a cross between two thieves. And while he was dying, his executioners gambled for the only piece of property he had on earth, his robe. And when he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Nineteen long centuries have come and gone, and today he is the centerpiece of the human race. I am far within the mark when I say that all the armies that have ever marched, all the navies that have ever been built, all the parliaments that have ever sat, and all the kings that have ever reigned put together have not affected the life of man upon this earth as powerfully as has that one solitary life. I have three major points today. Here's the first point. Jesus was unorthodox in his teaching. The first four books of the New Testament were written by eyewitnesses of the time of Christ. You've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew wrote Matthew, Mark wrote Mark, Luke wrote Luke, and John wrote the Gospel of John. All four of those fellows, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, were eyewitnesses of everything that took place. They walked with Jesus, they ate with Jesus, they traveled with Jesus, they spoke to Jesus, they listened to Jesus. And for three years, they wrote down the things that they saw, the things that they learned, the things that they witnessed. So you and I can actually read about Jesus in the Bible. We can read about his travels. We can read about his miracles. We can read about his prayer times and his compassion. But the most interesting thing that we read is how he taught as a rabbi, as a teacher. He was unorthodox. No one had ever heard a teacher such as Jesus. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Matthew 5, 6, and 7. That's Matthew 5, 6, and 7. That's called the Sermon on the Mount. It is a fully recorded sermon that Jesus preached one day on the Sermon on the Mount, the northern part of Galilee. Now, typically, typically, a rabbi was scholarly. They liked to argue over every little detail, the crossing of every T, the dotting of every I. And Jesus comes along. I want you to write this down. He spoke in parables. He told simple stories. And inside his stories were hidden messages, things that caused the listener to think for themselves. Why, he told the story of a father who had two sons. One son was a good son and stayed home. One son went out and went astray and what the Bible calls riotous living and ended up in a pig pen and basically almost destroyed his life until one day he decided to come home. It's a story of the prodigal son. Jesus told a story about a woman who had 10 coins. She lost one of the 10. 
She swept the house searching for just that one lost coin. Jesus told a story about a shepherd who had a hundred sheep. And one of those sheep went astray. You might know someone who's gone astray. Jesus told the story of a shepherd who left the 99 who were safely in the fold. And he searched and found that one lost sheep to bring him home. Jesus told a story about a man who built his house on sand versus a man who built his house on solid rock. And when the storms of life came, there was a different result for the man who built his house upon the sand than the man who built his house upon the solid rock. Jesus told a story about a parable of 10 virgins. Uh, Who tells a story about 10 virgins? Jesus did. He told a story, a parable about an unjust steward. He told a parable about sheep and goats. He told a parable about an unforgiving servant. He told a parable about a mustard seed. Now, it's interesting today when you listen to so many preachers preach, some of their sermons, it's like a competition to see who has the most knowledge, who can dive the deepest into the Hebrew language, into the Greek language, trying to find some minute hidden nugget of truth. There are so many sermons I listen to that go right over my head. I don't understand a single word they say sometimes. You almost have to have a PhD just to figure something out when you're listening to some people preach. Half of the time, I have no idea what the guy's talking about. Jesus never did that. Jesus not one time said, I want you to take your scroll and unroll it. And I want you to find this Hebrew word. And let's say it's the word for bread. And I want to give you 13 different definitions of the word bread in the Hebrew language. Jesus never preached like that. He told stories that that anybody could understand. He told a story about salt, story about light. He told a story about a two-sided coin, about a beggar who died. He told a story about a fig tree that withered. Jesus told a story about a vine and some branches off that vine. Why, if he were here today, I really believe this. If Jesus were preaching today, he'd have some sermon about palm trees. I believe that. He'd have a sermon about crowded freeways. He'd have a sermon about a virus that you cannot see. He would have a sermon about a child playing video games or a movie star that has lost his way. He would have a sermon about a valley that was surrounded by mountains. He would have a sermon about an iPhone whose camera may or may not work. I believe he'd have a sermon about people hoarding toilet paper (laughs) when they went to the store. He would have a story about that. He was unorthodox in his teachings and in the way that he taught. Parables, simple stories to keep your attention, to draw you to think, to understand. Why, if you read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, one thing that all of his teachings had in common, I want you to write this down. He was always explaining kingdom principles, kingdom principles, and kingdom principles were unorthodox because they were always contrary to the cultural norms. I want to show you just a few of them. If you have your Bibles, I'll put them on the screen. Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, he said, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. There's something about that that's just contrary to the way the world thinks. That the person who is meek, the person who is kind, the person who is humble, 
They're the ones that are going to inherit everything. Matthew 5, verse 11, he said, Blessed are you when people insult you. Blessed are you when people persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. We would typically think if someone was criticizing us or persecuting us, we would think, oh, woe is me. And Jesus said, no, you're the, you're the blessed person. If, if someone's persecuting, you're, you're actually blessed. Don't you see how kingdom principles are different than the principles of this world? He said in Matthew 5, verse 39, let's go look at Matthew 5, verse 39. I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Well, who does that? Who teaches like that? The world says if someone strikes you, you need to strike him back. Jesus said if someone strikes you, you need to turn the cheek and let him hit you on the other side. Man, that is some unusual, unorthodox type teaching. Matthew chapter 5 verse 43 says, You have heard that it was said to love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Jesus said, I tell you to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Don't you see that he was an unorthodox teacher? Look at chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, just a few more. Uh, I think we need to read this anyway, just because of what we're all going through. Starting with verse 27, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes and how Don't you see how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But Jesus said in verse 33, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And all God's people said, amen. We need to stop worrying. Turn to your neighbor and say, stop worrying. Just a couple of more. In chapter 7, I want to read this, chapter 7, verse 3, 4, and 5, it says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? Jesus said, you hypocrite, first take that plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Listen, Jesus was an unbelievable teacher. He was an amazing teacher, but he was an unorthodox teacher because everything he said goes against the principles of this world, kingdom principles. Remember that. The last verse I'll read before I go on to the next point is Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14 that says, Jesus said, and these are good words for us today, enter through the narrow gate, For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few people find it. Oh, that's some good stuff. The world will always lead you down a path that leads to destruction, but Jesus and his teachings go contrary to the way the world thinks. You need to read, you need to study, you need to listen You need to follow Jesus, and if you'll follow his words as an orthodox teacher as he is, if you'll just follow his word, if you follow him, 
you will be blessed in every way. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Now I want to get on to the second point. Jesus was unorthodox in his teaching, but this is important for all of us. Jesus was unorthodox in the disciples that he chose. In the disciples that he chose. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 10, it has a list for us of the 12 disciples. This will not be on the screen. I just want you to hear it. He called out his 12 disciples, 12, everybody say 12. He called out his 12 disciples to him and he gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Remember that. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, his brother, Andrew, James, the son of Zebedee, his brother, John, Philip, and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, and Simon the Zealot, and of course, Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him, the Bible says. I want you to write this down. This was a band of ragtag followers, ragtag followers. Not one of them would we have chosen, you and I, had we attempted to change the entire world. We would have never chosen those 12 guys out in the Porter Ranch campus, and I know we have people listening from Woodland Hills, and we have people listening in Aqua Dulce from really all over the country, but in front of our building in Porter Ranch, we have these 12 pillars. We have the names of those 12 disciples. You can go right down. It's like the yellow brick road, and we have on each of those 12 pillars, we have the name of one of those 12 disciples. We know that four of them were fishermen. We know that several of them were Galileans. That means that they were hillbillies, or rednecks. Uh, Thomas was a skeptic. Matthew was a tax collector. He was a traitor to the Jewish people. Simon the Zealot was a murderous revolutionary. And Judas, of course, was a, a, a traitor and a sellout to Jesus. And yet, these are the 12 that he chose. This is an amazing story of how Jesus is going to start this new kingdom with these kingdom principles, with a goal to take a gospel to the entire world. And who does he pick? Who does he choose? A group of guys who at best had zero potential. Small, write this down. Small, if any ability, any of them. And all of this is good news for us. This is good news for us. Because if Jesus could use people like that, then Jesus can use anybody who's listening this very moment. You see, it's not your ability that counts. It's your availability that counts. It's a fact that most of the people that God chose to use in the Bible were people who had genuine flaws. Moses had a speech issue. Abraham was old. Rahab uh, was immoral. David was a murderer. Mary was a teenager. Nehemiah was living in obscurity. Peter cussed a lot. Samson was a womanizer. Solomon was a polygamist. Elijah lived in depression. Hosea married a prostitute. John the Baptist had terrible fashion sense. Martha was a busybody. Saul hated and persecuted Christians. And yet these are the people that God chose. These are the people that God used. You say, why would he choose people like that? Well, that's a good question. I want to read to you 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 
Starting with verse 26, brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. I want you to look around the room that you're sitting right now. Do you see anybody of noble birth? Do you see Prince Harry or Prince William sitting there in your house? I don't think so. Verse 27, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Verse 28, he chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus. You uh, have become for us the wisdom from God that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. And here it is, verse 31. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boast, boast in the what? Boast in the Lord. That's, that's why he chose us, those of us that the world may be cast aside so that when our lives turn out right and God ends up using us in a great way, that we have no choice not to boast in ourselves. We have no hope except to just boast in what the Lord has done in our life. Jesus called an eclectic group of run-of-the-mill country bumpkins. None of them went to Ivy League school. None of them had a Bible college degree. None of them uh, fit the mold of a rising religious star. Uh, Really, the only one of the 12 that had any potential was probably Judas. From the world's perspective, he might have been the most promising of the 12. He had a keen business mind. He had contacts in high places. He was a networker. He was financially shrewd. He was motivated and he was ambitious. And yet, he was the first of the 12 to turn his back on Jesus for a few pieces of silver. For Jesus to leave his entire ministry in the hands of these 12 ordinary men was a gutsy move. What if they failed? There was no plan B. What a risk that Jesus took. And yet here we are 20 centuries later, he's doing it again. He's leaving his work, his ministry in our hands. I mean, look around the room. Look around your house. Look around the room, the people that are with you right now. He's choosing to use you, and he's choosing to use me. I ask you, what are your credentials? Have you ever been to Bible college? Are you a superhero? Are you a megastar? I doubt it. We're just normal people, run-of-the-mill people, humble on our knees, asking God to use us. And I know that if God used those 12 disciples to help kickstart the kingdom of God, that God can and will use you and me to continue his kingdom here on this earth during this specific time that we're facing the challenges as a nation. And all God's people said, amen and amen. My third point is this. Jesus was unorthodox in his teaching. He was unorthodox in the disciples that he chose. But number three, he was unorthodox in how he came to save. And I want you to put your thinking caps on for this. Most interesting, write this down. Jesus, when he came, he fulfilled all the Old Testament prophecies concerning a Messiah. Jesus was an orthodox in the way that he came to save. 
God used his son Jesus who came to fulfill all of the prophecies in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is a book of prophecy. The Old Testament is a book of predictions. And it predicts, if you read through the Old Testament, it predicts that one day there will come what's called the coming of a Messiah. If you were blessed by Pastor Dudley's message and would like to pray with someone, our phone lines are available now and ready for your call. Our number is easy to remember. Call us right now at 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. Our Lift Up Jesus phone counselors are ready for any prayer needs you may have at this time. If you would like more information about Pastor Dudley Rutherford, Shepherd Church, or this ministry, be sure to visit our website, liftupjesus.com. We also remind everyone that our online services at Shepherd Church can be seen every weekend either Saturdays at 6 p.m. or Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. on our websites, liftupjesus.com and shepherdchurch.com. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us again tomorrow night at the same time here on KKLA as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.